Welcome to Our Story, Your Story, the video podcast where we share our personal experiences and invite you to share yours. We are Toby Eunice and Shelley Carney, and together we'll take you on a journey through our lives and the lives of our family, friends, and guests. We believe that everyone has a story to tell, and we can all learn from each other's experiences. So whether you're looking for inspiration, entertainment, or simply a good story, you've come to the right place. Hello, and welcome to Our Story, Your Story. I'm Shelley Carney. And I'm Toby Eunice. Thanks for joining us. Toby's a little bit under the weather today, so he's going to do his best to tell stories without coughing too much, but I may have to take over or cut it short. Fill in the blanks. Just so you're aware of what's Mm. going on today and why Toby's got the very deep voice. (laughs) So uh, we're going to be reading once again from A Gypsy's Kiss, A Treasure Hunt Adventure, our book that we uh, published back in 2020. And uh, this is about Toby's life when he was 15. It's all based on real events and real people, although we've changed the names of many of the people uh, just to protect, you know, them from being, you know, in a book that they didn't ask for. (laughs) So, uh, but today we're going to be talking about somebody who was in his life, but we've changed the name. And I think this was kind of uh, built around people that he knew. And it wasn't a real story per se, but it was things that had happened to people that he knew. So Mm -hmm. uh, it's called Dave's Dilemma. And today's theme is about um, trade-offs and expectations. So we'll read the chapter and then we'll get into that theme. Are you ready? I am. Chapter 7, Dave's Dilemma. I don't think there's any Spanish in this one. I don't think so, no. This guy wasn't Spanish. Walking through the dorm hallway after dinner, I find one of my boarding student friends, a senior, sitting on the side of his bed, which is across the hallway from mine. He is leaning over and staring at, not reading, a letter in his hands typed on very fine linen paper. Hey, Dave, what's up? Dave is tall, well-built, with dark hair, dark eyes, and a ruddy complexion. He's the skilled lead guitarist in The Nuclear Warhead, our rock band. I've been accepted into the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. Dave slowly raises his head to look in my eyes, seeming a little dazed, in Cambridge, the engineering school. Wow, congratulations. I'm genuinely excited for him. He deserves to achieve his dreams. He's a reliable friend and an excellent bandmate. Yeah. He looks back down at the letter in his hands. Thanks. He slowly folds the letter and replaces it in the envelope while shaking his head, as if he's trying to reorganize his cluttered mind. What am I missing here, buddy? I lean against the wall facing Dave so I can read his expression. You've been accepted into MIT. That's a really big deal, right? Isn't that what you wanted? MIT? Dave shakes his head as he grips the envelope so tightly it crumples in his hand. No. That's what my family wants. Dave surges up from his bed to patrol the room as he explains. My father attended MIT's engineering school. He has an MBA from Sloan and his PhD from MIT. Right out of the gate, he secured his first government contract, and the rest is history. 
Triaxis Science and Engineering is one of the biggest government contractors of its kind. Dave halts his brewing storm of pacing to stare out the window. So that's what I will do. Go to MIT, then Sloan, then go to work for my dad for a couple of years before pursuing a PhD. Sounds great to me. It sounds great for somebody like Dave, anyway. He's smart, and his family wants him to succeed. But it doesn't sound like something you want to do. It's not. He walks back to sit on his bed again, asserting, my choice would be to join the Air Force, serve my country, and maybe see the world. I want to fly fighter planes. I get it. There's always that trade-off. Doing what your family tells you to do means putting your own dreams on hold or forgetting them completely. Well, like Brother Allen says, you have to do what you have to do. Dave's shoulders droop in resignation. I have to do what my family expects me to do, or else I'm cut off. There is no choice for me. It's always been and always will be that way. I understand your family dictating your life. That's why I'm here and not at home right now. Sometimes it's easier to just give in to it. Anyway, congratulations and good luck. Dave groans like an 80-year-old man, gathers his toiletries from his footlocker, and plods out of the dorm room on his way to the shower. I go back across the hall, settle down on my bunk, and reach behind me to get a book resting on the windowsill above my head. It's J.D. Salinger's The Catcher in the Rye, the next book on the sophomore year reading require, required reading list. I pretend to read while I work things out in my head. I don't want to be like Dave and have my family map out my entire life and tell me what to do. I don't think I want to be a cynical Holden Caulfield either. I don't want to wait to live my life like Manolo. I want to be Miguel, the world-famous adventurer. I want to be him right now. So I think it's stated very clearly in that chapter what the themes were, was trade-offs and expectations, especially expectations your family might have for you. Um, you know, that a lot of times growing up, families expect their kids to do certain things the same way that they did them. You know, they expect them to go to school, to graduate, to go to college, to get those degrees, to get a really good job, to get married, to have kids, and all of those things. They have it mapped out in their mind from the day that child is born. And when that doesn't happen, because the child is different than what we had expected, there's some conflict and expectations have to be adjusted. Uh, I think they're the expectations in some families are stronger than in others, especially if a family has a history of the grandfather did that, the father did that, the son did that. Now it's expected that it will carry on. And uh, that may not be what that person wants. What do you think? So as I hear you telling uh, the story of Dave, which who was a um, composite of several people in my life, um, some of whom were experiencing those kinds of things. Uh, but it was very much in line with what I was experiencing, the expectations that um, I would go to a Catholic high school, go to Catholic schools all my life, uh, go to New Mexico University um, and graduate in pre-law, 
and then go to a New Mexico law school and then return to Santa Fe, uh, go to work for a local firm until I had enough money to establish my own firm and then wait until through a variety of political machinations, I'd be appointed a judge. Uh, and that was not anything that I wanted. It was based on uh, kind of the combination of my father's dreams and my mother's dreams. My father was law, uh, pre-law, law, but his parents or his mother, uh, in this case, wanted him to run the family business. Uh, and he was good. He didn't have uh, business school experience, but he had enough experience and knowledge to be able to run the business that they they had, the car dealerships. Um, so part of the my mother's expectations come, came from uh, for me came from my mother's knowledge of my father's expectations for himself and how they remained unfulfilled. And um, the turning point came uh, during this book. Uh, during the period uh, that this book covers in which I realized that if I don't set my, if I don't establish my own path, I will spend a life walking somebody else's path, one that's not mine. Um, and uh, I think that was driven by what occurs later and throughout the rest of the book. But it also gave me the ability to put my life in perspective, but more importantly, into the context of my life. Now, I know that sounds like some, some, what is it? Circular logic. Circular logic. Um, uh, it was near this time in my life that I started being aware that it was my life and that I had choices and that there were going to be people who uh, loved you, who cared about you, who probably didn't agree with the choices and because they were adults, they felt like they had a better handle on the choices for you. And so my strategy from that point forward was to allow them to believe, to, to um, live in the luxury of believing that I was going along with what they were planning. And um, as, as you know, and some of these folks that are watching right now know, I went to college and then in the middle of my senior year uh, quit and join the service, excuse me. <clears throat> Sorry guys, all that traveling, something caught up with me. Um, and join the service and then, and this was during the Vietnam War, this was 1969, and uh, told my mother that I had been drafted and uh, counted upon her knowing, not knowing enough about draft and military and all these things to be able to argue with me, you know. Oh, you can't have been drafted. You have the, you're in school. You're, you know, you have a, a student deferment, etc. Uh, but she didn't. She just accepted it and didn't. You know, everybody at the time knew that the draft was for two years. Mm -hmm. And when it came after I'd been in the military for two years and I didn't leave the military, I still had three more years to serve because of the unit that I signed up with. Um, she didn't even ask. Like there was no. And, and again, I'm not home. It's not like we're having these conversations anyway. Mm -hmm. uh, by the time my two years, um, uh, the two years, the first two years of my service time, I was all, already in Vietnam, mm -hmm. you know. And so the few letters that we exchanged with one another were just, how are things with you and mm -hmm. that kind of thing. So. Well, and I think 
she, because she served uh, ancillary services in World War II, her husband had served in World War mm -hmm. II, her brothers, mm -hmm. so she understood uh, the need to serve in the military for a young man. And I thought, you know, I imagine that she at that point was like, okay, this fits in with uh, my, I, you know, the identity of a young man in our family mm -hmm. that would be going off to the military. I'm not going to fight it because it fits in with the identity. She didn't have the, uh, you know, uh, an upset about it because mm -hmm. it was like, okay, it makes sense that he would join them, you know, go into the military, mm -hmm. do his service during a and war And not try time. to get out. And then, yeah, and then he would serve just like his dad mm -hmm. and just like his uncles. And, and uh, it's part of the family you know, heritage. That's yeah. what you did. Yeah. And so I can see that she wouldn't fight that. In in Santa Fe, the Delgados knew enough people that if I didn't want to be drafted, they would pull whatever strings were necessary to make sure that you weren't drafted. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> but she didn't argue with me. Yeah. She didn't. She let it uh, be the way it was. Um, she wasn't necessarily happy about it, but um, she didn't argue. She didn't argue or debate the point. Mm -hmm. You know, do you want me to fix it for you? That mm -hmm. that kind of thing. And had she said that, I would have had to get deeper into the lie, the mm -hmm. already created lie that mm -hmm. I was drafted. But there was no argument. You know, will I see you before you leave? And I said, yeah. And um, I think I told the story once before that uh, the night before. So by the time. Units like mine were being shipped to Vietnam. We weren't going on boats. We were flying. We'd go to Oakland and we'd fly on a big jet, big commercial jet that had been leased mm -hmm. uh, to Vietnam. And we'd um, um, we'd land at uh, Benoit Air Base near Saigon. <clears throat> but the night before, I called her from Oakland. and um, And I told her I was leaving for Vietnam. And her only advice was, and forgive me, <laughs> her only advice was don't get killed and don't marry any slant-eyed girls. Don't bring home any slant-eyed girls. <laughs> because she came from World War II and, you know, and the Japanese. Well, you didn't get killed. Didn't get killed. <laughs> what? Not only did I bring a slant-eyed girl, I bought a home a couple of slant-eyed kids. Yeah, know, so. yeah. Well, yeah. But mm -hmm. it, I think what's important about this chapter was the realization that if you don't take control of your own life, as bad as you could screw it up, because honestly, my brothers and sisters, I always felt like didn't have control of their lives. They were controlled by the forces of alcoholism and drugs and, you know, things like that. Mm -hmm. And the people around them, the, the people around them were no help. Uh, but I felt like this is the point at which I have to take control. This has to be about what I want to do with my life. Mm -hmm. And this first step in that adventure was basically the, you know, had I had one of my daughters, one of my children done this to me, I would have marked that like, oh, oh okay. So that's how this is going to be, right? <laughs> she's not going to, she's not going to do what I tell her to do. And my, my children still to this day ask me for advice and yeah. counsel and I do the best that I can. And sometimes they do what they do. And sometimes they learn from it. And or or and I don't mean to imply that every decision they make was a bad one. They they were good decisions for them. I didn't select any of their colleges or universities. I didn't ask them if they wanted to go into the military. I didn't even suggest it. I allowed them to make those choices. You know as well as I do that when Toby decided to go to culinary arts school, I wasn't happy. 
you know, I preferred, I wanted her to go to a school where she could come out with a, what I thought was a credible degree. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, within four years of her coming out of culinary, graduating from culinary arts school at Johnson and Wales, no less, um, she had gone like, oh, this is not what I want with my life, <laughs> but took the bull by the proverbial horns and went on to create another life for herself with whatever experience she had, plus the personality and the brain she had. And she's done a really good job of that. You know, she works for a credible company, credible technology company. Mm -hmm. She loves, she's in sales uh, and she loves it. So I can't argue with it. I, you know, I, I wouldn't have agreed with all their decisions. Uh, but I didn't disagree with them either. If they asked my counsel, I gave them my counsel. If they didn't ask, sometimes I'd give them the counsel anyway, like, you sure you want to do this? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But most of the time, I let them make their own decisions and learn from those decisions. I don't think there was any point at which I felt like they were putting their lives at risk. I don't mean physical risk, you know, just are you, you're about to destroy the rest of your life kind of thing. I never saw that. I never saw any of that. Had I seen that, then I would have gotten stronger about my counsel uh, and, and pushed it a little bit further. But you and I both know that when you start pushing um, children in, your, in a direction that you want them to go, they become more adamant about what they want to do with their lives. So um, I felt like at this point, although it was only sophomore in high school, I want to control my life. And listening to uh, Dave's story, and again, it's a composite of several people's stories that were from uh, wealthy families on both coasts about how little control they had over their future. Um, and part of that was the recognition. We were all in the same boat. We were in this school because our parents insisted. We didn't choose to be there. Mm -hmm. They didn't choose to come from New York and San Francisco and Los Angeles and, uh, you know, uh, Augusta. And it, it was, they were put there by their parents in order to help them be better people, you know? Well, I know that um, in my life, my parents were just basically just graduate high school because my dad hadn't graduated high school. My mom did, uh, but that's as far as they went. And um, if we went on to college, then that was just like, wow, you know, yeah. amazing. Uh, so <laughs> uh, they, you know, but then when, my husband and I moved out of state. That was the point where she was like, no, why are you moving? And you should be here with mm. us forever, yeah. you know, kind of thing. And um, she wasn't really happy that we moved <clears throat> away. And, uh, you know, even less happy when my daughter moved even further mm. away from her because um, she knew then she would, wouldn't get to see her. As often, yeah. if ever. Yeah. Because you know, you, yeah. you're not, you don't just, know what's going to happen. It's just a lot harder to get back for visits. So uh, I know that was a content, bone of contention for you and your mom that you had moved out of, out of state and then, uh, yeah, across the country, basically. Yeah, she was never happy that I didn't return to Santa Fe, even though I wouldn't. I mean, I was a journalism major with a photography minor, and I could have ended up working for the Santa Fe New Mexican, I guess but I had bigger plans. And, um, and uh, her expectation was that somehow or the other, I would always uh, return to Santa Fe and live out my life near my brothers and sisters. Uh, even though Santa Fe, as beautiful and historic a town as it is, couldn't offer me what I wanted out of the life that I wanted. Um, and 
like Miguel, I wanted more adventure in my life. You mm-hmm. know, um, a lot of the people that I graduated high school from returned to Santa Fe. They went off to college, but returned to Santa Fe, and I could go back and see them. I bump into them all the time mm-hmm. at Fiesta, and uh, that that just wasn't what I wanted. And I felt like uh, after college, joining the military was the ticket out of the expectation that I was going to spend the rest of my life in New Mexico. So, uh, and, and it was, I mean. But now you're back. Well, I'm back in, in <laughs> retirement, and we all know the story of how I ended up here. Uh, I, given, given my druthers, I would not have remained here either, you know. Uh, but for, for retirement purposes, but I'm okay with it. Mm-hmm. And I still have the option, as we both know, that if we want to move someplace else, we'll just move someplace else. There's mm-hmm. nothing that, uh, there's nothing of any significance that ties me here. I have children and I have grandchildren here. Um, I have a good relationship with the children. I have a good relationship with my now grown grandchildren. Um, so they would never, if I were to tell them I have plans to move someplace else, they would say, well, good luck, you know, enjoy. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so I think, um, as long as you're staying within, you know, some parameters of things, it's it's easy to, you know, all oh, right, well, uh, you're not too far away, or you, you're at least you went to college and and you know and finished and all of that. So there's you know, some expectations are met, but then others, I think it's, it's there can be like a selfish. Uh, you know, like if the mom says, well, I want the kids to stay here with me. Now, I personally, I told my kids, get out of New Mexico. There's no jobs here. <laughs> Sorry, New Mexico, but it's true. Um, and they're like, yeah, we know. So they moved. And uh, I was good with that. I was okay with that because as long as they're happy and safe, I don't care where they live, you know. Um, I guess there's, I don't know if there's, how, do you think there's been a change over time with people being more accepting of um, their kids having their own lives, their own personalities, their own dreams, and and letting them do those things? So I have uh, children all over the United States, mostly on the East Coast, doing what they wanted to do with their lives. Not one of them is doing <clears throat> what I would have told them to do. Uh, but they're doing things that are very similar. It's really funny because through their own uh, desire, they found places in their lives that were comfortable for them without knowing that, oh, good, well, I'm glad you're working for salesforce.com and monday.com and, you know, and some Irish insurance company, you know, uh, because it would create, it creates a good life for you. And I think, uh, I, I think given a choice, if I look at it, four of my six children are in the technology field. The other two are artists, but should they choose, I, I don't think at this age they will, they both have technical degrees, one an aeronautical engineer, one an architect, you know, and um, and they could both do other things if they wanted, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to, there's, there's, there's no part of me that says, wants to say to them, you need to be something else, mm-hmm. you know, if you want to be artist, be artist. I'm just thinking of <clears throat> the difference between, for instance, your mom is demanding everybody come stay with me Mm -hmm. yeah and me who's like okay my daughter moved to vermont i guess i want to move to the east coast to be with her you know i follow my kids Mm -hmm. instead of making them be where i want to be 
maybe it's a personality, you know, I'm not, I'm definitely not an A personality (laughs) who demands to have her own way. Um, What do you think? I think, uh, I think, uh, uh, I think our parents, our our parents' generation, uh, because of the life they lived during the period of the Depression, World War I, the Depression, World War II, and then the uh, growth of uh, of uh, the American economy through the 1950s, 60s, 70s, all the way through the 90s, you know, where it kind of slowed down and things changed. We started adapting in a different way. Um, I think their expectation was that the family unit stayed in the same place. And I was, look, there was one picture that we took of our family unit at the, the recent wedding. And there is nobody in the same place. They're all over the world from, you know, Vince in Washington to the girls down in uh, Southeast uh, the United States. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, and, but I didn't have any expectations. I was not, gee, you need to stay. I'm going to, I'm going to stay here in Virginia. And I would appreciate it if you'd all live around here. <laughs> Well, I was getting pretty tired of that Washington, D.C. metropolitan area, you know, and I and I thought to myself, I can't force them to do that. They have to do what they want, uh, even to the extent that they went to schools. I, wh- when they told me the schools that they were applying to and that and, and the schools that had been uh, accepted to which they'd been accepted, I was always surprised. Like University of Tennessee, how did that happen? <laughs> you know, I think the only one that kind of. I don't want to say met my expectations, was was in line with my expectations with Sean, where she went to the University of Virginia and Virginia Tech for her degrees. Uh, but the rest were all like, oh, yeah, Coastal Carolina and University of Tennessee and Johnson and Wales and James Madison, you know, in different degrees. I, I to this day, I still don't quite understand what Carl's degree is, you know. <laughs> I know he's a he's a, a technical you know he works for uh, uh, Deloitte and Touche as a, a consultant with a top secret clearance, uh, but I don't I have no idea what his degree was in. I thought it was you told me it was in like kinesiology or kinesiology. Something. That's right. <laughs> okay. But uh, well, maybe I should say I know the name of the degree. Yeah. I don't know what that study is. Like I I. I, I know it has something to do with sports health or something. Do you know yeah, what it is? Kinda, it's almost like a, a <clears throat> PT. Uh, Physical therapy. Yeah. It's almost oh. like that. It's kind of similar to that. It's you need in a that college area. degree for that? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. How does it prepare you for it's working It's like for... being a nurse or something. It's just a different part <clears throat> of the medical field. Mm-hmm. Well, of course, he's working for Deloitte and Touche, and I'll bet you there aren't any kinesiologists in Deloitte and Touche. <laughs> yeah. Or kinesiologists that have a top-secret clearance. Yeah. So. Well, you know, and my son, uh, we encouraged him to go to Socorro, to New Mexico Tech, because, number one, it was a very small school, so we thought he would get a lot of personal attention. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, also, they spend all their money on education. They don't spend their money on sports. They don't have any sports teams there. It's just all about education. technology and education mm-hmm. and geology and all of that. And he went there and he tried because we told him, here's your path. Follow it. And so he did. Did what he was told. But after the first year, he's like, I don't like it here. I don't want to be here. I want to go to UNM where my friends are. And I, we agreed. He tried it for a year, mm-hmm. you know. He didn't like it. So we sent him to UNM. 
and uh, he got to live at home. So it was cheaper too. So then he's like, we expect him to him to kind of go into the engineering kind of, you know, follow math dad, because yeah. he was good at math and he, but he didn't want to do that. He wanted to do film. And I'm like, <laughs> it's not a film school. You're not going to get, uh, you're not going to meet the people you have to meet in order to move up the ranks in, in the film industry. Yeah. Uh, you have to go to a film school for that. And so he decided, okay, psychology. Well, it's very general. And I was like, well, how about, you know, HR? How about HR? Uh, that's psychology, but it's got a business slant to mm -hmm. it. Well, he just had no interest in HR stuff. And I'm just like, okay, well, you get what you get then. Uh, <laughs> so he hasn't had a lot of luck finding jobs because you can't do much with a bachelor's in psychology. That's psychology. just not going to, you know, recommend you to, uh, you can't be in psychology unless you have like at least a master's or further. Um, so I was like, okay, well. What are you going to do? <laughs> and he's like, why did I even go to school? Now he's told, told me that on the phone. The other, I don't even know why I went to college, got a degree. It doesn't do me any good. I'm like, well, maybe if it had gone the way I suggested. <laughs> you, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that because when the kids were, you know, thinking about college, I had the deal was I'll pay for it. I'll give you a car and I'll give you a computer if you go to college. And I didn't think of any other options. I, I mentioned the military, but nobody seemed to be interested, and I was okay with that. But in later years, I kind of regretted not giving them another option of, okay, I'll take your college money, and you can start a business. You know, I think it's a little easier nowadays to start a business because you can do an online business yeah. with very little startup right. capital, right? Whereas before, it would have been had to have been like a brick and mortar or right. like you were doing a con consulting. Consulting. And uh, you you were tied into uh, the whole government uh, system, which helped you get those jobs. You had an understanding of, okay, the RFP comes out. I bid on this job. I get the job. I know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. you, had a, you had a path to follow. Whereas just starting a business is kind of a lot, especially at that age, unless mm -hmm. you're already in love with uh, Whatever selling. Whatever it is, yeah, yeah. If you're in love with selling and you've been doing it since you were a kid, you know, lemonade stands or selling stuff on eBay or whatever it is that you were doing, then I could see somebody doing that and going into that. But other than that, I think it's just too broad mm -hmm. to say, oh, so go start a business. Go what am I going to start a business in? Yeah. I don't even yeah. know. Yeah. Uh, it, and and I guess, thankfully, they, I didn't make that choice available to them. Um, I they may I, not have taken you up on it. Anyway. No, no. Uh, it, it, I was hoping for college. If not college, then four years in the military so you could prepare yourself, kind of like uh, Pony is doing, you know, where she's going to stay with the uh, Marines for four years. She's thinking about uh, signing up for another four years so she can go to OCS. She might be an officer for life in the Marines. She's happy with that. Yeah, if it works for her, that's good. And she's on the intel side, so she gets great assignments. You know, she's not going to find herself in some. She doesn't draw her own box and write Vietnam. <laughs> didn't learn that from Grandpa. Mm -hmm, no, she did. Right. She did it the smart way. Well, do you have any other stories you'd like to <clears throat> share? Or I think uh, I think this one story uh, dominates kind of the theme, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it's about the challenge of making 
uh, making choices about what you want to do with your life. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times during that age, that, that period, uh, we were still influenced but our, by our desires, uh, by the desires of our parents. And I think children today are less and less influenced by the desires of their parents. They ask for counsel. And I'm, and I'm speaking from the context of my experience with my own children. They ask for counsel, and then they do what they think is right for them. Uh, uh, like I said, I don't think, I don't think any one of them... <sighs> Well, we didn't have those. I was going to say, I don't think any of them uh, made choices based upon what I wanted for them. Yeah. Right. Well, and I think a lot of it is that the nu nuclear, 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 nuclear family. Yeah. Is that what it is? Nuclear? The nuclear family. Nuclear, nuclear family. windows. Yeah, but nuclear. <laughs> anyway, the family unit. Yeah. Is less important, I think, ever since social media. Right. And uh, all of these groups that kids go off and belong to mm -hmm. and you of course had been belonging to a new group of boarding students mm -hmm. and your clubs and your sports mm -hmm. and all of that which broke you away from that family unit so uh, you had more independence than your siblings uh, high school was my first experience with uh, society right not just the people in your house and the people in your neighborhood who went to the schools that you went to. Um, high school was the society of the school uh, with people from all over the United States and, and some from all over the world. Um, uh, people in with interests like chess or tennis or football or, you know, little sub-communities, subcultures. Um, and so I found that part of it really exciting to be part of something, part of the chess team, part of the debate team, part of the uh, tennis team, you know, things like that, uh, because they were all their own little societies. Now, there was some crossover. I had friends that played chess and played tennis. Uh, but for the most part, it was different groups of people with different objectives and goals. St. Michael's had some requirements that you participate, you had at least one um, extracurricular activity that wasn't related to sports, one team sport and one individual sport, if you could. So if you were the kind of person that didn't have the, whatever skills were necessary, you didn't have to do anything if you didn't want to. But I didn't know a lot of people like that. I didn't know a lot of people who didn't want to do stuff and meet other people. I'm also a member of the student council. I was a member of the uh, Model UN, Model United Nations every year. And so there was a lot of uh, things that I did in high school that had I gone as a day student, I probably wouldn't have it. I, I could spend, once you were in high school, you were in high school 24 hours a day, not six or eight hours a day, mm -hmm. like day students, mm -hmm. right? They could go home and have do homework and then they had a life around that. <clears throat> and, uh, but as a boarding student, you were a boarding student 24 hours a day. You were in high school 24 hours a day. So uh, you focused on the things that were important to you without having to worry about whether the dog was fed, the dishes were done, you know, the, mm -hmm. the bathroom is clean or whatever. It was, mm -hmm. although we, we did have cleaning responsibilities. But, so it was a good place. It was a, it was a good time to start uh, recognizing the value of making choices about your own life. 
without worrying about who you were going to offend, right? Because the offense was their their induction, their absorption of what you what your choices were. So when you told your mom you were joining the military, she you know she might have had a lot of problems with that, but that was your choice, mm-hmm. right? You're not hurting you're not hurting her. You're not hurting anybody else. That was your choice. And so I think that recognition that your own choices are about you and not, not in a selfish way, but are about your you, your life, and your future. And they really don't mean anything to anybody else unless you are abandoning a family or something like that. You know, you can't, if you're married and you have six kids, you can't say, well, hey, I'm going to Alaska for two years or whatever. <laughs> But uh, this was a place in my life where I could start making decisions about the rest of my life, and it didn't hurt anybody else. I mean, she could make it feel, make you feel like it, or like you can't leave me. You know, it was one of those <laughs> things. My other children are still here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll never, I'll never forget. I came back from college one time, and we were talking about religion. By that time, I was not quite an atheist, but I was not a Catholic. And I remember her looking, listening to me as we were having this conversation. And all of a sudden she stopped and she stared at me and she said, you are such a disappointment to me. <laughs> I'm like, for what? Because I don't follow your religion, you know, it's those kinds of things. Uh, and not that they pushed me away, but it just made me feel like, okay, this is really important because I, I'm not going to be her religion. I mean, we might as well get that on the table now. Yeah. And I don't think we ever had a discussion after, after that ever again about religion and going mm-hmm. to church. <laughs> well, I feel like when you do make a decision as an adult and <laughs> um, you make it with morning. confidence, then people are just like, accept it. But it's when you're like, uh, well, I might do this. And then people feel like they get to have a say in what your decision is rather than, you know, when you're, approach it with confidence. They're just like, oh, well, I guess you've already made your decision. You know, and a good example is what you're doing right now about the decisions you're making about your future. And you're not going like, hey, I'm having these thoughts. I need your recommendations or advice here. You're going like, hey, here's what we're doing. And I thought you said something to me last night that I thought was really uh, interesting. You said, um, what are you hoping somebody's going to disagree with us? Or get mad about it. Or get it. mad about it. Because yeah. I keep asking you, when you tell them what our plans are, how do they feel about it? How you, do they react? Yeah, yeah. And you asked me, uh, are you just hoping somebody's going to, because that's what the normalcy is, right? When you tell somebody, you're actually telling, well, so that you're must... actually, so you're telling them in the hopes of getting some sort of feedback. And sometimes the hopes is, oh, that is such a bad idea. I wouldn't do that if I were you kind of thing. <laughs> So nobody's doing that. No. Everybody's going like, okay, that's what you want to do. That's what you want to do. And I think it's the confidence that you uh, exhibit when you're telling them what your plans are. You know? And and I think what they see is a uh, a different Shelley Carney, uh, who, <laughs> who I, I don't think you lived in the shadow of Kevin Carney, uh, but he was you know, he was the d- direct driver in the home and you did your thing. And as long as it was in, in his line, now what they're seeing is a Shelly Carney that's going like, I know what I want and I'm going to get that. Well, and I have to make those choices now. I don't, can't wait for somebody else right. to do it. That's the other thing too. <laughs> that's the other thing too. There is, no one has a vested interest 
in making those decisions for you. And as a matter of fact, you have now probably discovered that if you don't push them making decisions that are related to what you're trying to accomplish, they'll just kind of, it goes over the head and you have to remind them. You have to constantly push to get what you want. If squeaky wheel gets the grease. Yeah. That means you have to constantly push others to help you get what you want without offending them. Well, of I course. think that's the universe's way of Did saying. You break your it just fell out. Ouch. I think that's the universe's way of saying, how committed are you to this? If I put an obstacle in your way, will you go around the obstacle or will you just sit there and stop? Yeah. You yeah. know, and we kind of have to figure out our lives by trying things. And sometimes you know, when we decide, well, it just wasn't that important. I'm not going to go retire in Costa Rica after all. Mm -hmm. Uh you know, let that one go. Mm -hmm. But, you know, this other thing, I have to do that, and I'm not going to let anything stop me. So, well, go ahead. Tell the people what your plans are. What our plans are? That's You just you just told them <laughs> what the plans are because you said what our plans are. Tell them what the plans are. I said the plans. The plans. But you go ahead and tell them what our plans are. Well, I mean, the, we're, we're going to move. <laughs> we're going to move to the East Coast because that's where all the babies are. And, uh, yeah. We won't be doing any more New Mexico day trips, by the way. Oh, we won't? I don't know how. Well, I mean, I between mean, now and then the we summer. will. Yeah, yeah. Between now and the time. Uh, we waited all year for summer and now we're not right. going to go anywhere. No, we're going to be, we'll be doing things while we're still here in New Mexico. Um, but we are planning to move to the East Coast. And because... Honestly, that's where the babies are. Yep. And, uh, and life is short and babies grow up fast. Mm -hmm. Yeah, as we've discovered. Yeah. So things will be changing a little bit. I don't see why we can't continue this programming. I can't con see why we can't continue the uh, garage prospecting. And maybe it'll be day trips South Carolina. I don't know. Yeah, we'll figure that out. We'll get there. Whenever it when is. We get, you know, as we get there, we'll figure it out. But we we can't be afraid to make choices and try things and uh, chart our future based on what's important to us. Our What's important to both of us is family. Mm -hmm. And being around family, supporting family, feeling their support, um, that's super important to us. That's, that's number one. And that's why we're not going to let anything, you know, keep us from doing that mm -hmm. no matter what the universe might say you know oh wait wait you know well the other that, that's <laughs> what, what i was saying before you're you're doing these <laughs> things doing with, it well you're saying these things to them with such confidence i think people go like oh well, okay she's got her mind what am i going to talk why would i want to talk her out of it yeah you know yeah so i think it, it's all a matter of confidence i i don't think it'll be necessarily as true when you explain to your mom what you what you're doing because, <laughs> because she's your mom but um but you're going to be in a position that if you have to come and see your mom every four months, you'll be able to do that. Well, you know, and she would want to visit my daughter if she could too. So mm -hmm. yeah. she's important, you know, family's important to her as well. So yeah. she understands. Yeah. All right. If you get a chance to consider making a choice about changes in your life, uh, do it. Make the choice. And it, the, the choice always has at least two options for you. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a choice. Make the choice. It may be this option. It may be that option. It may be another option that you haven't considered. But what's more important is to maintain control of your own life. 
And in order to maintain control of your own life, you can't allow other people to make choices for you. And speak with confidence. When you make that decision, tell people about it with confidence and they'll back you up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, nobody's agreeing, disagreeing with you. Yeah, Nobody is suggesting like, oh, that's a bad idea. <laughs> Even if you want them to. <laughs> well, I, it's not that I don't I want them to. As I said, I'm worried that somebody's going to say, oh, my God, that, that's Rapscallion, Toby, you're moving to the East Coast with him. Well, it's my bestie. Mm, bestie. It's my bestie. Even uh, uh, Roberta, Francis's mother, yeah. my new, my new in-law. Yeah. She said, I don't know what you guys are doing. All I see is in, you want it. She's got a bit of it, a slight bit of a European accent. It's uh, you and your bestie tra traveling all over with sell right. your Instagram. So. Does that sound awesome? Life is short. Life is short. Take advantage of opportunities and go for it. That's all I have for today. Uh, we hope that you'll be back again with us next week for Chapter 8. And if you haven't watched chapters one through six, make sure you go back and look at those. It's been fun. Shelly, uh, I think, had to work at talking <laughs> me into uh, making this series. And at first, I wasn't quite convinced. But uh, once I've started it, I'm really enjoying our, I'm enjoying our conversations. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Makes them feel better. Yeah. All right. Does. So that's all we have for today. Are you going to play an outro? Play an outro, and uh, we'll see you again next week. Thanks, guys. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening to Our Story, Your Story. We hope you enjoyed hearing our stories and those of our guests. We invite you to share your own stories with us by emailing us at stories at agkmedia.studio. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. Until next time, keep telling your story because your story matters.